Hello, I'm Professor Aaron Sharp. And I'm Professor Jason Harding. And we're with the Cinetific Institute where we investigate, analyze, test, fold, spindle, and mutilate movies to see if the science in them is feasible. Or just a bunch of steamy scientific garbage. Yeah, I believe that's the scientific terminology. It is! Don't argue with me, I'm a professor! A podcast professor. Ignore my colleague. We at the Institute will subject a movie to rigorous testing. Say, for example, Jurassic Park or Robocop or Twilight to see if the science stuff is really up to snuff. I never agreed to Twilight, dude. Can we clone dinosaurs like in Jurassic Park? Do androids dream of electric sheep? Metachlorians. What the hell is that shit? First Twilight and now the Star Wars prequels? Anyway, we post our findings on the Cinetific Podcast for the public to absorb. And laugh at. Join us, won't you, on the Cinetific Podcast, where science meets entertainment with explosive and funny results. Coming soon to the Lemmy Listen Podcast Network. A podcast professor is a real professor. Oh yeah? Show me your PhD. It's in my other lab coat. A podcast we'd like you to check out is Two Girls, One Film. Amelia, the loser, and Rose, who made me call her that, Watch one film and discuss said film, as well as other non-related topics. Cocktails are involved. You can find Two Girls, One Film on SoundCloud. Just look for Two Girls, One Film. What does God need with a starship? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. Steve. Yeah? I can feel your pain. Oh. No. Share it with me. Uh... It's It runs very deep. I sense... I sense great disappointment in something. <laughs> this pain has polluted your soul. Share it with me. Share it with me now. Release it. Release your pain. How can I repay you? Review this movie with me. Okay. Cool! Yeah. Hey guys, you confused? Did you think you just walked into an intervention? Nah. <laughs> Steve and I are doing something that's akin to cutting ourselves on a podcast. <laughs> see, on this show, we take a classic movie and we see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And we've fallen into the bad quadrant of space this time around. <laughs> and send sensors indicate that Steve and I have decided to review Star Trek V. Yeah. The Final Frontier. Yeah. I, I believe substance abuse counselors refer to this as being in our disease. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Steve and I are massive Star Trek fans. Mm. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Longtime fans of this show have probably noticed how many references we've made, how many under-the-radar jokes and sometimes over-the-radar jokes we've made in regards to Star Trek and Star Trek films that we, and I'm sure only we, laugh at during the course of the, of, of the shows when we reference them. So, in honor, I guess, of the release of yet another more-than-likely mediocre fair to poor Star Trek movie. 
There's that Star Trek optimism. Star Trek, um, was it? What is it? Star Trek Beyond. Beyond. Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, Beyond something. You know those hypercharged reboot, remake, alternate dimension Star Treks that have been popular lately with the Chris Pines and the yelling, punchy Spock. Yeah. And the Uhura wanted super competent Uhura who speaks nine languages and is also in love with Spock. And there's uh, like everything's shooting at everything. Those movies. Yeah. In honor of those movies, we've decided. <laughs> to take a nice hard look at Star Trek V to see if it really is as awful as not only Steve and I remember, but as everyone else remembers. <laughs> right, Steve? Yeah, it's pretty much, uh, it, it's, I guess, like the consensus pick for worst Star Trek movie. So. Yeah, it's also, the, I think, the one movie that everyone votes not to be canon. Yeah. It's, like, it's like the relative we've all chosen to forget. Yeah, it's the rule in Star Trek that everything on screen is canon except Star Trek, Star v, Trek V and that one one Voyager episode where they turned into slugs. The movie should have been called Star Trek V, The Final Concession. <laughs> because there's a reason this movie got made. Mm. And that joke will become more clear as we head into why. Yeah. If you don't <laughs> why? know... If you don't know, watching the movie can give you a few clues. Why was this movie made? <laughs> why is it like this? <sighs> All right, Steve, are you ready to point fingers of blame at the people who made this movie? Yes. Great. <laughs> <sighs> okay. It was directed by... Who was it directed by? Don't make me say it. <laughs> who was it directed by? It's like punching Grandpa! <laughs> William Shatner. There you go. Now, here's why it was directed by William Shatner. At some point, a very, very savvy manager, uh, William Shatner's manager, got them to do what's called the fate, what they call a favored nations clause in his contract when it became between him and Leonard Nimoy. Mm -hmm. Basically, they both agreed they were going to get paid the same amount of money because Shatner knew that they can't do the movies without Spock, period. <laughs> and he wasn't quite sure if they couldn't do the movies without him, without Kirk. So, uh, after... After he got to direct, did he direct three? He directed three, right? Yeah, Nimoy directed three and four. Yeah, he directed yeah. three and four. Three did okay. Four went crazy bananas. <laughs> Everyone was in love with Star Trek after Star Trek four. And Shatner was like, favored nation status. And they're like, that's about pay. Favored nation status. <laughs> Bill, it's about pay. I don't care. He got to direct two. I want to direct one. And they're like, okay, fine. <laughs> And that's how Star Trek V came about. <laughs> and I want to write it. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't gotten there yet. So, no. we we This is still in the directed by phase. Yes. Okay. Produced by Harv. I'm tired of this Star Trek shit, Bennett. After Star Trek IV, <laughs> Harv didn't want to do another Star Trek movie. They convinced him to do not only this one, but also Star Trek VI, mm -hmm. The Undiscovered Country. Um, but he was kind of like, I'm finished. I'm done. What also, more do you want from me? By the way, he blamed the... Uh, uh, the failure of this film on Star Trek The Next Generation. Can you believe that shit? No. <laughs> yeah, he blamed it. He said because people were watching Star Trek on the TV, no one came to see this movie. Oh, Harv. Even though we used a lot of their sets in this movie. Yeah, and we didn't even bother to redress them very much. No, or at all. <laughs> <laughs> Screenplay. <laughs> 
Oh, okay, wait. Mm. Screenplay there you go. by David Lawfrey? Yeah, I guess. Lowry. Or, or Lowry. Lowry, I guess. Story by William Shatner, mm. Harve Bennett, and David Lowry. Um, the original uh, vision that Shatner had <laughs> for this movie was that, <laughs> what was it? At the end of it, they would go and there would be a representation of Dante's Nine Levels of Hell. Oh, yes. And that uh, Spock and McCoy were going to be dragged by basically Satan into hell, and he would have to fight rock monsters. Yep. And I think the original working title of it was, what? A vision of love or a tale of something? I can't remember. (laughs) It was like a Harlequin romance title. It definitely had love in it. So it would have been Star Trek, a tale of love or something. A tale of love. Uh Okay, based on Star Trek by Gene Roddenberry, who unfortunately was still alive when this was made. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and it stars everybody. All the Star Trek people. <laughs> Some who had to be convinced to come back, like George Takei, who was like, wait, I can barely stand William Shatner when we're co-stars. <laughs> now you want me to come back and be directed by him as well? <laughs> the director is going to be who? Yeah, oh let me my. say it this way. Fuck you. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> what? I have no other jobs lined up? I mean, hello. What a fun movie this is. I I thought I did well on that MacGyver audition. <laughs> Are you sure they didn't call me back? <laughs> Stars William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, DeForest Kelly, James Doohan, Walter Koenig. Why am I reading these? Nicole Nichols, George Takai. <laughs> Let's get to the ones that matter. David Warner in How Did I Get Here? <laughs> I'm a good actor. I also did that fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Teenage yeah. Mut- the, the bad one, the second one. Yeah, boy. Actually, that's after this, I think. Yeah, I this believe so. 80, yeah. Uh, Lawrence Luckenbill as as uh, Cybok. Yeah. yeah. I guess he was a stage actor or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Larry Luckinbill. Do you know who some of the people they asked to play Cyborg? I do not. Sean Connery. Oh, okay. Which they actually gave him the script. <laughs> and never heard from him. <laughs> this is the same... This is also, by the way, the same year that uh, Last Crusade came out. Yeah. They were trying to get Sean Connery <laughs> to play Cyborg. Because <laughs> he's going to be Spock's brother. Share your pain with me. Spock. <laughs> Uh, it would have been a very different movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Charles Cooper, Cynthia Gow, Todd Bryant, this is a real name, Spice Williams Crosby, mm-hmm. and George Murdoch as God. You need one for a Star Trek movie. Yeah, you, I guess so. You need a good God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Music by Jerry Goldsmith. Wow, Jerry, you'll just do anything, huh? <laughs> um... <laughs> Cinematography by Andrew Laszlo, edited by Peter E. Berger, distributed by Paramount Pictures. It was released on June 9th, 1989. Hey, Steve. Hmm? Just for fun. Yeah? Do you know what other movies came out in June that competed with Star Trek V? In 1989? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Let's see. Wasn't there some sort of... It barely had any competition. (laughs) Wasn't there some sort of superhero film that opened that same month? Oh, well, yeah, Batman. Yeah, okay. Oh, that one. Yes. The Return of James Bond and License to Kill. Oh, okay. The sequel to the most successful comedy of all time, Ghostbusters 2. Really? <laughs> and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, so so Star Trek V didn't do so well? 
No. <laughs> oh, you mean with all of those movies, people didn't choose to go see the fifth Star Trek movie? Directed by Shatner? Oh, what is wrong with people? <laughs> oh, no. They got their priorities wrong. I'm telling you. Or maybe for once they paid attention to critics. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Running time, 106 minutes. Budget, $33 million. By the way, Paramount really, really, really didn't want to make this movie. <laughs> And it shows in the budget, because they're like, here's barely a budget. Oh, yeah, um, you have to do it in this time frame super fast. You think you can do that? One of the things was they were coming off a high off of Star Trek Four, and everyone was expecting the next Star Trek movie to be super awesome. And they wanted it to be super awesome. But then William Shatner came in, and he has to direct it, and he's directing a script about a dude and finding God in a Star Trek movie. Yeah. And they were like, we're not giving you a whole lot of money. Yeah. In fact, ILM, who's done all your special effects, fuck them. They're busy. <laughs> uh, they're doing Ghostbusters 2 and, and The Last Crusade. You ain't getting them. So, yeah, the budget was $33 million. Yeah, so Box Shatner office. had to do the special effects himself in his garage. Yeah. <laughs> Which he it gave him more creative control that way, but still. Pow, pow, pow. <laughs> Shroom. Quiet, I am doing the foleying. <laughs> Total box office, $63 million. So it made its money back. <laughs> But it was not the hit that they wanted. No. It was awful. <laughs> I think most of that money came in from, from people who liked Star Trek Four and were expecting something fun for Star Trek Five. And so, yeah. Uh, anything you want to say <laughs> before we start hitting one of our children? <laughs> oh. <laughs> It it has the Enterprise in it, which the previous movie did not, so... No, that's you know. true, but it also proved that you don't fucking need the Enterprise <laughs> for a Star Trek that's movie. True. It's about the characters, not about the shit that's in it, right? That's very true. That's right. Still, I'm just saying, you know... I some... wonder how, how far you could pare down a Star Trek and have it still be Star Trek. Would it still because be Star Trek if it was just them camping? Star Trek Four. not only did they not have the Enterprise, none of them were in their Starfleet uniforms. That's right. There was no Starfleet stuff. They were technically in a Klingon ship, but there weren't any Klingons around. Yeah. There, no one. I don't think anyone ever shot a phaser, did they? I don't think so. Not that I can remember. Yeah, that was probably the least Star Trek, of, and it wasn't even set in the future. It was in San Francisco. Wow, that's really avant-garde. Yeah, and yet it was the most hey, successful know, Star Trek movie. <laughs> <laughs> No, we're roped in. We're doing this we, one. We've right? already... Yeah, we got to do this one. Okay. All right, everybody. Climb on board the Enterprise B. It's falling apart. <laughs> the Enterprise <laughs> A. The Enterprise oh, A. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. It's the Enterprise A. The, the Enterprise B is an Excelsior class That's right. Ship. You don't want to blow your oh, Trekkie yeah. cred also, right away. everybody, we're going to try to uh, rope in... <laughs> Our Star Trek knowledge, like that little bit that just slipped out there where I knew that what the class of ship was for the Enterprise B. That's right. We're not gonna we're gonna try not to alienate the audience too much. Right. <laughs> God, these guys are fucking nerds. So let's beam on up. Oh, the transporters don't work. Let's shuttle on up on the Galileo. <laughs> kind of take a turbo lift right up to the bridge when the doors don't even open all the way. Wow, the ship is a metaphor for this movie. Yeah, it's kind of wow. deep if you think about it. I don't want to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and let's travel uh -huh. to the final frontier yeah. in Star Trek V. Steve? Yes. Will you do the honors, please, and take us out? <laughs> <laughs> One quarter impulse. But, Captain, we're in space dock. Um... 
Okay. Just just go to warp. I don't want to go. I just we'll hit the we'll hit the wall. Just I don't warp. care anymore. Just warp us right through the wall. Um, <laughs> Turn off the initial dampeners. We're going. We're out. doing it already. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So we we open on the desert planet of Nimbus Three, which are you we sure are... it isn't Arrakis? <laughs> yeah, or, or t- Tatooine. Tatooine? <laughs> it's it has a very Tatooine kind of vibe. Once we spend some time here, actually, yeah, it um, does. But yeah, it, we're told by the on-screen lower third that it is the uh, planet of galactic peace, right? And there's one guy alone in the desert, and he's uh-huh. digging he's a, a simple hole farmer. Yeah, he's a hole he farms farm. holes. And it's a bumper crop this year, because look at all them holes. He's just a dude (laughs) digging holes for something? For some reason. For fun? Yeah, I guess. And And uh, I want to just interject interject really quick. It's really nice that the lead singer of Midnight Oil found a job on the planet (laughs) of Intergalactic Peace. (laughs) It's always nice when you see someone popping up like that. You're like, oh, good for you. Exactly. Oh, he found a hobby. Yeah. And so our our humble hole farmer looks up, and there's mm-hmm. a guy riding toward him on a horse from oh. from far off across Is the desert. Is it a Saudi prince? Y- who knows? From Lawrence of Arabia? It's it's Lawrence Luckinbill of Arabia. <laughs> it could have been a ring wraith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so he comes trotting up on his horse, and mm-hmm. our whole farmer's like, "Oh, he's come! He's come to steal my holes!" So he he grabs his gun. <laughs> he grabs this gun that he has. It's like, "Darn, don't take my holes! <laughs> you keep they off my holes! You hear? I literally have nothing. <laughs> my possessions are holes." <laughs> exactly. My possession is, is is a field full of negative space. I may not have much, but I got a lot of it. You gotta <laughs> Don't be touching my holes. So he gets he has this gun that I get that apparently shoots rocks and he's trying yeah, to like he's, yeah. trying to load it up with rocks. Mm-hmm. And the guy gets off the horse and he he looking he looks kind of like like if Jesus had lived to be middle-aged. He's got oh, long wow. hair and a beard and he comes walking yeah. up and he's like, "Dude, you're not going to shoot me for all these holes." Yeah. And he's like, "But that's all I have." <laughs> It's what I'm having for dinner. Whole meat. <laughs> you want some holes? Plenty to go around. Holes, the other not meat. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the mysterious stranger on the horse, he says, um, I, can, I, I couldn't help but notice your pain. And the whole farmer's like, well, yeah, I'm oh, sunburnt. I'm like 80 years old. I'm digging I've holes. Got, you know, Charlie horses in both my legs. I, I stubbed my toe. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean like your emotional pain, psychic pain. What? <laughs> You're bummed out and depressed and I can tell. Uh, and I wants to helps you. Okay. So what you what need? Does he, do? he says you you have a secret pain. Everybody has a secret pain, right? Mm. Everybody. So you need to share it with me and release it, and then you'll gain strength. I whole, will. Yeah. And the, the whole farmer's <laughs> like, okay, fuck it, why not? All I'm doing is digging holes. Nothing else to do. I'm just glad you're not here to kill me yeah. and take my holes. <laughs> a lot of hole rustling going on these days. <laughs> I thought you were a hole bandit. Yeah, you ain't coming to steal my holes. Enough about the holes, okay? I'm not. By the way, I would like to applaud Shatner for his stupid metaphor. (laughs) He's a holy man. Oh, (laughs) now see, it's deep, and and people think that this movie is poorly written. (laughs) 
you just need to learn to appreciate the subtleties. So right. so he the, the 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 guy who came up on the horse, he hugs the whole farmer and they mm-hmm. have this moment of catharsis where the whole yeah. farmer's like, "Oh, great weight has been lifted. I feel so much better. How can I repay you?" And horse guy is like, "Well, you can I mean, if you wanted to, you can join my quest. I'm just I'm yeah. I'm, I'm just on a quest to find the answer to the ultimate question." And yeah. the whole farmer's totally like, "Totally not a cult or anything." Yeah, no, no. If you're thinking it's a cult, it's not. I mean, I have a lot of followers, but yeah. it's not a cult. They're and not with me now. No, they're but... they're back wherever I came from. I just was riding through the desert, and I happened to on a horse with no name. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't think rain would have been an issue in this situation. Um, nope. They'd fill up my holes. <laughs> don't be raining in my holes. If there's water in them, they Get out, rain! <laughs> if there's water in them, then they're puddles. They're not holes. Uh, so anyway, so he's like, join my quest. And the whole farmer's like, okay. And then the horse, oh, who, the horse guy, he, 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 yeah, he pulls off his hood because he's been wearing like a hood. And he's got pointed ears. Oh, he's Satan. Yeah, exactly. And no, the, the whole farmer guy's like, oh, dude, you're a Vulcan. And the Vulcan guy thinks that's hilarious because he just starts starts laughing. Holy shit, he's laughing? Vulcans don't laugh, though. Vulcans don't laugh or cry or do anything like that. Except those times we saw Spock do it on the TV show. All those many, many times. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit, what happens then? A laughing Vulcan. Well, then we, we transition to Earth... Actually, we have the credits, right? Yeah, we, we have the credits. This is the, the first movie credits. that actually opened with that had a pre uh, pre credit scene. Yeah, and now we're we're floating through what we usually associate with Star Trek movies. Yeah, the, the titles in space. Yeah, the typical that Star Trek opening credits go on a little too long. Yeah, and <laughs> then we and then we we transition to Earth in mm-hmm. Yosemite Park. Oh, beautiful Yosemite. Oh, yeah. And and we we are focused on this guy climbing a mountain. Now, I would like to say this right now. Who who's climbing? Who's climbing El Capitan? Well, get it? Yeah. El Capitan? Who's climbing El Capitan in Yosemite? Well, you? supposedly it's Captain Kirk, but it's mostly right. seems to be Captain Kirk's stunt double. Star Trek, you've asked me to believe a lot of things over the years. <laughs> a lot of them. Like uh, some kind of omelet monster can eat through a rock and is intelligent and will, you know, go ahead and cooperate with the miners that basically conducted a genocide on... I'm doing it, but I don't care. Conducted a genocide on your species until Spock did the touchy-feely on you and then told you everything's okay and then they said, oh, these egg, these things are your children. We'll stop destroying them. I, I bought it. Yeah, sure. That's a great episode. Demon in the Dark. Yeah. I don't care if people think I'm a Star Trek nerd at this point, but I will refuse to believe at any point... That William Shatner is a free climber on El Capitan. It's a little bit of a stretch. It's at the beginning of the movie, and that's what they want me to swallow down. <laughs> they haven't even started the space stuff yet. In the previous movie, the whole movie, uh, uh, leading up to this point, is about Kirk dealing with the fact that he's getting older, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. He's getting older, he needs glasses, he's not as young as he used to be, and at the very beginning of this movie, what do they do? They f- he's like 24. Yeah, they forget all about that. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> So, you know, he's climbing, he's climbing, he's free climbing the rock. He's not doing it. He's he's not doing it until we cut to the medium shot. (laughs) And then he's doing it. Filmed in the parking lot that looks over the park, which coincidentally has El Capitan in the background. Well, El Capitan is apparently a huge mountain. So big that it appears twice in Yosemite? (laughs) It can be in the foreground and the background. Okay. Um, So he's climbing and he stops to sort of survey the, the, you know, the the beautiful uh, surroundings and we, we catch a glimpse of Dr. McCoy down on the ground watching him with binoculars and having kind of a 
panic attack. Yeah, I'm having a real panic yeah, attack. He's like, I can't and believe second, he's climbing with, you know, playing games with life. His first line seems to be delivered directly at us. <laughs> he's looking right at the camera. <laughs> I'm like, are you talking to me, yeah. Dr. McCoy? Because I don't agree with anything that's going on so far. Yeah, I'm with you, Dr. McCoy. <laughs> I was more engaged with the holy man in, in the laughing Vulcan. Yeah, I wonder who's going to look after his holes if he's going to go with the Vulcan guy. <laughs> But so then, while Kirk is taking a, taking a breather and looking around, I, that would be great if later on in the movie the guy goes my holes and he <laughs> just runs off. Or if Cybok just like turns to him, he's like, "Who's looking after your holes?" By the way, oh no, oh shit, I gotta go. <laughs> They're probably filled with something at this point. <laughs> so anyway, Spock. Uh, oh, when Lars looks out there and goes, "Oh, there goes the holy guy again." Yeah, they, God damn it! That's our local holy man. Get it? Yeah, we heard it. We heard it. You told you moisture farming, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> we don't farm for holes, okay? That's not what it is. <laughs> so anyway, Kirk's climbing a mountain and Spock flies up next to him on rocket boots. Aren't you glad I said oh, yeah. that? Are they rocket boots they're, or are they just, you know, basically ski boots? They're, they're ski boots with exhaust. <laughs> So he's wearing some gassy ski boots yeah. that are uh, keeping him afloat. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like rockets do. We, we know. We, <laughs> we know in this universe that there is anti gravity technology. So yeah. why so would why Spock, are they called rocket boots? Why would you need boots that shoot rockets off to fly? I they have no idea. They call them rocket boots. Yes, they in do. The, in the movie. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Mm. And by the way, can you imagine Spock like going into a store and saying, "What do you have in a good rocket boot?" Like, where did he get those? They were a gift. He thought he'd never use them. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday, <laughs> Mr. Spock. Ah, thank you. Mm. This is almost as good as the 101 funny Vulcan jokes from Dr. McCoy. <laughs> Spock must hate his birthday so much. Like, <laughs> Why didn't I ever ask for a transfer? Why did I serve on the same <laughs> ship with the same crew for 30 years? <laughs> you know he goes into his quarters and just beats his head against a wall every day. <laughs> why, why, why? <laughs> so anyway, he's fl he flies up on his rocket boots next to Captain yeah. Kirk, and he's like, hey, you know, you shouldn't climb a mountain because climbing a mountain's dumb. And Kirk's like, no, it's not. You climb a mountain because hey, it's, it's there. it's almost as dumb as going into a leaking reactor. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what? Did I say that? I'm sorry. Uh, he's like, you climb a mountain because it's there and because I'm macho and that's what I do. I'm Captain Kirk. Oh, shit, I'm mm. falling. <laughs> He slips off the mountain. Spock's like... And he turns into a blue screen effect. And, and Spock dives down like a duck looking for something on the bottom of the lake. His or feet a guy straight attached up in the to air. a wire harness. Well, that too. Yeah. And Spock pulls a, uh, a full-on Superman and grabs Captain Kirk literally inches before he crashes face first into the ground and saves his life. Yeah. And then we're supposed to believe that DeForest Kelly, at the age of 78 million, ran through the forest to catch up to him. Yeah, because he comes running up. And, yeah, and then yeah. and then they have dinner. Well, no. Oh, no, we cut. Now we have to we have to cut back to uh, uh, Nimbus 3. Oh, that's right. Where we come across Paradise City, where Rami and the Ale is green, and the girls are kitties. <laughs> no, no, you had that one in your pocket, didn't you? you were waiting, oh, yeah, I did. You were waiting for that one. <laughs> Yeah. Where where the Laughing Vulcan now has an army. Yep. And they storm uh, most icily 
Yeah, <laughs> the cantina on their, on, on their splotchy blue horses with horns. Yeah, you know. By the way, just to just to put that in there, that there were many hands trying to rank, yank back the uh, reins from Shatner. He wanted them to ride unicorns. <laughs> Yeah. You know, he figured he he figured it was his one shot to direct a Star Trek movie, and he was just going to put in everything. <laughs> he was just going to put everything in that he could possibly Unicorns! Uh, uh, so he attacks. We find out that um, there are ambassadors there, right? Yeah, there's a, a Federation, a Klingon, and a Romulan ambassador. And they're supposed to meet there and talk about stuff, but they're losers. <laughs> They basically seem to just sit around and drink all day. Yeah, well, I think the, the human smokes, right? Yeah. And looks bored. That's David Warner. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all the Romulans, I guess, are Chinese. I have no idea. She barely looked like a Romulan. Yeah, you don't even properly see her ears. She has her, like, nope. uh, like coverings on her ears. Budget. <laughs> and and then we have Cord, Commander Cord, yeah, the, right? The, that, or is it Korg? Cord, yeah, with a D. Cord with a D. Yeah, the, the over-the-hill Klingon. Yeah, who drinks all the time. He's lost his joie de vivre that we expect all Klingons to have. Mm-hmm. Sad. He, he was not allowed an honorable death. I sure hope no laughing Vulcan comes in and shares their pain. Oh, uh, but that kind of is what happens, though. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then we got to cut to the giant space mushroom in orbit around Earth, also known as the Starfleet hangar thing, space station docking mushroom. Yeah, it's, yeah. Or that is actually a reused special effect from another movie because of budget. Yeah. It's a nice and looking little space station they got there, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah it's nice. And we cut to uh, Scotty, who's uh, having problems with the Enterprise. Yeah, because the brand new Enterprise they gave them at the end of the last movie as a reward for saving humanity turns out mm-hmm. to be a, a heap of junk. Just a big it old... It turns out, apparently, a bunch of four-year-olds built, built it as a tribute to them, and then they decided, sure, fly it around. Yeah, they, it's like it was the ship that they were using for parts for the other ships and they were like let's just <laughs> let's just make that the enterprise which by the way really makes me un Starfleet's supposed to be at the top of its game but this thing looks like it's about to literally just bust apart into space literally yeah. nothing works and then uh, Uhura comes in, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Uhura wants Scotty's boner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's batting her eyelashes and flirting. Bringing him dinner. Yeah, and she's like, I thought we were going to take shore leave together. <laughs> Speaking as a man who uses metaphors frequently, <laughs> that could be taken in many different ways, lass. <laughs> Well, and you know, it's clear that Uhura is completely barking up the wrong tree because Scotty is way less interesting than you might think he is when you first meet him. I mean, he, he all he wants to do is stay on board the ship and fix things. Scotty has one girlfriend, guys. Scotty is the only one that loves the Enterprise more than Kirk. Oh, yeah. In fact, when Kirk talks to the computer, Scotty gives him, like, the side eye. He's like, don't you talk to her. <laughs> well, who else was she going to be romantically involved with? Let's take a look at who's yeah. left. I mean, who's left? It's not going to be Kirk, Spock, or McCoy. That's true. Because they're in love with each other. Yes. They're... Then who's left? Sulu? I got some heartbreaking news for you. Number one, turns out he's been married this whole time. Yeah. And he has kids, or at least one kid. And he kid. has kids. Yeah. And Chekhov? No. Really? <laughs> Next. <laughs> 
There's no next. That's it. Yeah. We're done. That's all of Back them. Back to Scotty. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. So, but then they get an emergency red alert message, which isn't a thing. Yeah, and it's especially weird since they're in space dock. Like, yeah, and all of a sudden it says red alert, and they think, oh, that's broken, and then it turns out, no, it's a red alert message. What the fuck is a red alert message? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this message is it's... in a state of red alert. <laughs> it's it's super important. <laughs> what does the message say? Well, apparently there's some uh, there's there's some kind of trouble, and they need the Enterprise to prepare to to leave space dock and go on some kind of a mission. Which which yeah, there's trouble of brewing at Paradise. City. Yeah, Scotty's not too happy about that because he's like, you know, the ship's falling apart and nobody's here. Yeah. Plus, we're literally orbiting Earth. Are you telling me there aren't any other ships? We have a skeleton crew. <laughs> what do you? Uh, come on. And it's like, but no experienced captains. Yeah. Oh, fine. Whatever. Everyone else is on leave, but I guess we'll go kill yeah, And we have to take shuttlecraft because the transporter doesn't Porters work. Transporters don't work because that special effect is too expensive for this movie. That's right. We can only do it once, like super turbo <laughs> mode for Knight Rider. Super pursuit mode. You can only do that once. Yeah, so they... And now we, we go back down to the camping. Well, wait, no, but then they immediately call Chekhov and Sulu who are lost in the forest. Yes. And then we have a little bit of fun, funny hijinks. <laughs> Yeah. And who was like, I'm going to send a shuttle down and get you. And they're like, great. Don't tell because anyone we're, we're this, lost. Yeah. Also, this is a super high priority emergency mission. It's going to probably take me a good eight to 12 hours to find the other three. <laughs> Because we cut to nighttime. Yeah, and they're in the campfire. They're having a nice little campfire. They're eating. Yeah. They're eating some beans. That yeah, Bones gets real goofy when he's camping. Yeah, and his southern comes out. Oh boy, does and, it! And oh yeah, Bones isn't just goofy. He's kind of an alcoholic. <laughs> he he put whiskey in the beans. <laughs> And then he drinks when, some. Yeah, and then he drinks some too. He could. It's not enough that he can just drink it from his hip flask. He's got to have it in his food. <laughs> <sighs> and then they have this kind of talk, right? Yeah, yeah, because uh, McCoy is like, you know, Jim, you're the biggest dipshit in the universe for climbing that mountain. One of my favorite lines, by the way. You really pissed me off. You really pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because McCoy's thing is like, you know, human life is far too precious, and if Spock hadn't have been there in his rocket boots, you would have totally died today. You would have fallen off the mountain and gone splat. Yeah. And Kirk's like, nuh-uh. McCoy's like... I knew I wasn't going to die. Yeah. I wrote the script. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I'm living through this. Believe me. <laughs> No, he says, Kirk says, I've always known that when I die, I'll die alone. Hey, guess what, Jim? You're wrong. <laughs> Uh-oh. See, uh, there's this dude named John Luke, and um, you're going to die in a really pathetic way that leaves a lot of fans unsatisfied, but he'll be with you when it happens. <laughs> you won't be alone, so... Yeah, you won't be alone. Take... You'll have this relative stranger standing over you. <laughs> you won't You won't have anyone who loves you and knows you anywhere nearby, but... Exactly. That makes you feel better. You won't be alone. Also, you'll be, you have lived like 25 years in a fantasy world. <laughs> and then you'll leave that fantasy to die pretty much for nothing. Hey, hey Steve, remember that rabbit hole I kept talking about? We're going, we're going down. <laughs> <laughs> We're jumping right into it. 
<laughs> okay, so they 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 have the talk about, and then uh, one of them says, I think McCoy says, "Well, look at the three of us. You know, we other people spend shore leave with their families, and we take it together." And Kirk says, "Well, that's because men like us don't have families." That's right. Klingons killed my son. Yeah, remember? Remember it happened like two movies ago. Yeah, uh, they stabbed him in the back. <laughs> Klingon bastards! You killed my son. You remember, I fell out the of my Klingon chair. Klingon that I kicked into the lava because he killed my son. Remember that? Oh yeah. No drink, drink. Yeah. Drink. yeah. Uh, anyway, who wants to sing a song? Who wants some marshmallows? Yeah, because I guess the Enterprise's computer, which Spock consulted, that's how it's spelled. Marshmallows. <laughs> what other excuse is there for Spock not There's knowing? There's a backstory for it. You want to know I, what it is? I would love it. I would love to know why he calls it There's a backstory that McCoy intentionally sabotaged the computer to give him the wrong information to make Spock look like an idiot. Oh, well, that would explain why McCoy seems so pleased when he says <laughs> a marshmallow. <laughs> It does explain why he looks so happy. Yeah, he's like, yeah, did you hear what he said, Jim? Spock, say it again. But if we're not done with this scene yet, we're like, oh, guys, come on. What, what do they attempt to do next? They have a sing-along. That's what you do when you're at the campsite and you're sitting around the campfire. You t- guys, don't you remember your singing careers in the 60s? <laughs> you toast your marshmallows and you sing a song. Yeah, what are we going to sing? The Tale of Bilbo Baggins? Ah, that was, that was what Nimoy pitched, but that didn't make Maybe it. Maybe Rocket Man. Hey. <laughs> Actually, I do have to mention, be, be, before they start singing, they, they end up singing Row, Row, Row Your Boat, but be, before that, one of my favorite lines in the movie comes when uh, Spock says, you know, I familiarize myself with the rituals of being at the campfire, and McCoy says, okay, well, after we toast marshmallows, what do we do next? And Spock yeah. says, we consume them. <laughs> 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 Which, you know, of course. <sighs> Meanwhile, Uhura has really dropped the ball finding the three senior members of the bridge crew. Yes, in this emergency. <laughs> because they go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, and Uhura, so Uhura flies the shuttle well, down. Well, wait, no, because there's a scene between them. There's a scene. They go to bed. They go, okay. They, they try to sing. And now we cut two. There's nothing worse than a bored Klingon. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> Captain Claw. Captain Claw. <laughs> And he's flying around, bored in space, taking pot shots while he destroys Pioneer 10. Yeah. Hey, if you gotta go, you know. I guess. It's a little sad. All those years in space. We're so proud of Pioneer 10. Well, now we know what's gonna happen to it. Yeah, but he's like, this is no way for a space Klingon to be shooting junk. This is stupid, and I hate it. (laughs) And then his female vice captain of the ship. I don't know sure. what position she is. She's very talented. She knows lots of stuff. Oh, yeah. They inter- they intercept a signal from Starfleet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, it- and they say, hey, we know what's going on at Paradise City. Um, <laughs> We're sending Kirk. And he's like, oh... If I totally kill Kirk, then I'll get, like, a statue in the Hall of Heroes and shit. Right next to that guy who killed all the Tribbles. <laughs> I don't care anymore, Steve. <laughs> Let's just do it. If it feels good, My knowledge it. of Star Trek is too deep to not make jokes. <laughs> and all- That's a real thing, by the way. <laughs> According to Star Trek lore, yeah. there is there is statues to men who killed Tribbles. They still sing songs of the great Tribble hunts. <laughs> That's probably a Klingon opera at this point. <laughs> 
But he's like, hey, if I kill Kirk, that'll be great. That's something the Klingons do, right? And if I kill him... Because they still call him the renegade Kirk. Yeah, even, right? even though he's kind of... I mean, he's back with Starfleet now. He's not a renegade yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sure. Yeah. Five days later, Ahura finds them. <laughs> lands a shuttle. And she's like, we gotta go. I couldn't find you. Where's your communicator? Oops. I didn't bring it. Yeah, oops. And I said, see, you're taking your responsibilities seriously, Kirk. Yeah, you just <laughs> got your ship back. <laughs> the whale ship is back and fucking shit up. Half the world's destroyed. We couldn't find you because little Mr. Dipshit didn't bring his communicator with him. Don't they have scanners on that ship? Couldn't they just have found them real quick? Yeah, maybe the scanners weren't working either. And they were. And Scotty was too embarrassed to call one of the other ships and say, could you scan for Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy and Spock, please? Mm-hmm. So uh, now we they get back to the ship, right? Yeah. And uh, they've got to change while they're on the bridge. Sure, because it's, a, because it's an emergency situation because it took Uhura so damn long to find them. Yeah, he hands his coat to uh, an ensign, a yeoman, yeah. who is Melanie Shatner, his daughter. <laughs> Nepotism. <laughs> she hasn't. She doesn't have any lines, but she's always on that bridge. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <clears throat> and he's. They're watching the the hostage tape, I guess. Right? Yeah. And I would just like to point out when he's changing his jacket and talking to the admiral and doing all that shit, he's got a T-shirt on that says "Go climb a rock," right? Yes. Which is supposed to be funny. Which is also a T-shirt that's about two hundred years old. <laughs> it's vintage. That would be the equivalent of me wearing a powdered wig, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> It's, you know, in the future, they're more laid back about that sort of thing. Are they trying to imply that Kirk is like some sort of ironic future hipster? Yeah, he, he's a super hipster. <laughs> Actually, you know, you know what it was? He's just gotten back from the 20th century. So he's developed an affinity for that period and that era. I guess he, whatever. He saw some dude in San Francisco in 1986 wearing a Go Climb a Rock <laughs> shirt. And he was like, oh, I want one of those. Yeah. Well, by the way, it wasn't actually one of the Go Climb a Rock shirts because they couldn't get the rights for it so they had to make one up on their own oh that's sad i know. couldn't get clearance for a t-shirt <laughs> anyway we watched the video yep in which the ambassador's like don't come here we like it <laughs> oh here's cybok and his galactic i can't believe i'm saying this his galactic army of light yep. not a cult though <laughs> not, a, not cult. a cult at all it's just an army of light o- of light cybok comes up and he says hey i don't want to hurt people but i'll do it i want what does he want he wants them to send a ship yeah, send a ship. Bye. This isn't a trap. Yeah. And Spock looks him up on his little computer. And Kirk, because he knows all about Spock and all of his feelings and moods and stuff, is like, Spock, what's going on? And Spock's like, I knew. I, I knew. Wait, is that when he says he knows him? Yeah. Well, they, yeah. yeah. Well, they, they have the scene on the bridge where Spock says, or Kirk says, you look like you've seen a ghost. And mm-hmm. Spock's like, right? <laughs> and then they go to the lounge. They go to the, the new, the their version of 10 yeah, the forward. forward lounge with the big old fashioned ship steering wheel on it, and Spock yeah, from the original Ember Enterprise. Yeah, and, and Spock uh, shares with all of us the 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 Cybok story. Mm-hmm. Not all of it, yeah, but most a of big it. chunk of it. Cybok was a nutty guy, and he did a bunch of stuff that all the Vulcans didn't like, so they banished him, and now he's back from outer space, yeah, and he's he's now he's a terrorist, I guess. <laughs> So uh, the the admiral who talks to him says, "Hey, I want you to get him, and I want you to avoid conflict if possible." And Kirk goes, "I'm going directly with conflict." <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you want me to go in with guns blazing? Right, got it. Okay, let me uh, put together a team of the most enfeebled and oldest crew members to go down to the planet. <laughs> 
So that would be me, Spock, and someone prop up McCoy, please. <laughs> the fans like him. We've got to give him some scenes. Also, Uhura for some reason. And uh, Sulu, right? Sulu goes too. Does Sulu go? Yeah, because they need somebody. Yeah, to, Sulu, because they, they, they leave Chekhov behind. They need somebody to fly the shuttlecraft. Mm. We need the least believable person to pretend that they're captain when they're talking to Cybok. Who could we get? Hmm. Chekhov? Yeah, because yes. Scotty, who has been placed in command before, is apparently so busy fixing shit that he can't just <laughs> sit on the bridge for ten He's minutes. apparently the only engineer on board the entire ship. Yeah. Well, the only one who knows what he's doing anyway. Yeah. yeah. So they take a shuttle down. They climb over a dune, commando style. Mm-hmm. And because William Shatner likes horses and likes riding horses, we are going to have to endure this scene to legitimize them getting horses. Steve? Yes. You get to describe this scene. Okay. <laughs> Well, see. Okay, number one, number one. They look across. They have binoculars, and 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 Kirk goes, "How long is it going to take us to get there?" And they say, "An hour and a half walking." We got to come up with a plan to distract those people to get those. So horses. we can steal the horses, exactly. So right. what do they do? Of course, they do the most obvious thing in the world, which is right. the uh, the guys guarding the horses hear singing, and they turn around, and there's someone up on top of a sand dune, silhouetted by the moonlight, doing like mm-hmm. a, a a Sally Rand fan dance. Uh huh. Who who is well, it? Is it Spock? It's Doctor McCoy. No, it's. <laughs> It's you really pissed me off, Jim. <laughs> I can't believe you're making me do this. No, it's uh, it's Uhura. It's Uhura huh. with her with those Tina Turner legs working overtime. Mm, how did that work? By the way, did he go? Hey, Uhura, <laughs> grab those palm fronds, strip naked, and risk sexual assault so we can save an hour of walking. <laughs> don't will you do that for us? Don't worry, we'll be close by with phasers. <laughs> And she was like, I told you I am not doing this shit anymore. I'm 50 years old. (laughs) Just do it, please. I would also like to insert that uh, the Ohura dance, as it's known, um, was brought up during pre-production meetings, and David Lowry proposed it as a joke. Oh. And the producers approved it right away. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. And since he's a writer and he likes getting paid, he did not say it was a joke. Please no. Please stop. And then he ne- learned to never open his mouth again. <laughs> <laughs> Mental note. Don't suggest things. <sighs> so what happens next? Steve? Well, they, 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 you know, take the horses and yeah. presumably Uhura gets dressed in a hurry. And yeah. they ride the horses into Paradise City and they open the gates for them because they figure it's their own people coming back. Mm-hmm. And then they, they're like, oh, no, wait, those are different people. This is bad. Yeah. And yeah, so we now we have a gunfight in Paradise City yeah, and, where the phasers stun and the welcome is shit. Yeah, now come on now. <sighs> <laughs> I hope you have a few more of those. Um, <laughs> that's, that's it. The, I'm <laughs> done. Two and out. I mean, how many rhymes are there for city? Um <laughs> But yeah, and we get to see, in addition to the the gunfight, we also get to see Spock busting out the Vulcan nerve pinch on a horse. On a horse. uh, According to lore, the biggest thing he's ever Vulcan uh, nerve pinched that we know of. Do you think he walks around and he's just like testing his nerve pinch out on progressively larger? (laughs) We don't know. He might have tried it on one of them whales in in Star Trek IV. That's right, just to see if it would work. Excuse me, Gracie, I just need to know if I can do this. I'm not really certain where your neck is, (laughs) but... (laughs) 
Did that work? Kurt comes yeah. in, he sees Spock, like, feeling up the back of the, of the whale. Like, Spock, what are you doing? Sorry, Captain, I just needed to know. <laughs> For my own personal edification, Captain. <laughs> so, uh, we go into the bar. We've seen the bar before earlier. But now it's deserted. Yeah, and what happens to Kirk when he goes into the bar? He gets into a big fight with a, a cat stripper. Right, that's right. That was the joke earlier about where the women are kitties. There's a woman yeah. kind of dressed like a cat. She makes cat noises. Yeah, yeah. And then he throws her off him into a, into a tank of water, and I'm so sorry, I have to say this, Kirk gets a pussy wet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, oh, I had you, to. I, hey, you know what? You saw it and you went for it. And you, you know what? <laughs> and apparently she drowns instantly. Instantly? <laughs> Because she's doing the dead man's float from the moment she yeah, hits she the water. Is. So much for that sanctity of life thing that the know. Starfleet had. Hey, it was, he, it, was, it was in the moment. He was fighting for his life. Um, I guess it doesn't apply to three-tittied cat no, women. No, it's... Who, knew, who knows if she's even sentient? <laughs> I mean, you got what? You're going to make it all the way to Paradise City? Just and, because she's an exotic dancer in the club, and I, I assume getting paid. Yeah, you know. I what, hope it's not somebody's pet. Like it's... Hey, it'd be funny if my pet went up there and danced. Huh? <laughs> like it's Captain Kirk's responsibility to find all this shit out ahead of time. Come on. <laughs> So anyway, the the three hostages, the three ambassadors that they came to rescue, come out, mm-hmm. and and Kirk's like, "Oh, sweet, I came to rescue you. Let's go!" And then they all pull guns on him, yeah. and uh, the David Warner character says, "Hey, would you mind dropping your weapons?" Yeah, because it turns out uh, we're brainwashed. Yeah, we're on side. Even though we kind of hinted at it during the video, if you'd been paying attention, Kirk, we said we didn't want to get rescued. We like it here. <laughs> We're around his side. Remember that part? No? You're an idiot. (laughs) I was waiting for people to notice my Go Climb a Rock shirt. No one said anything. So they bring him out to Cybok. Mm -hmm. Cybok and Spock recognize each other. Yeah. Cybok's like, join me. Spock is like, go fuck yourself. (laughs) No. And he's like, fine, I'll get my starship without you. Everybody into the shuttle. But there's a problem. Yeah. Klingons and shuttles and crap, all this stuff happens now. <laughs> Captain Claw has arrived on the scene, and yeah. they can't lower the Enterprise's shield so the shuttle can climb on board, because then... Yeah, the, him the... and Mad Cat are gonna fuck up Vector Gadget yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. So Kirk's like, hey, Sulu, just fly the fucking thing straight in. Yeah. We don't need no tractor beam. Just tell Scotty... Ram in yeah, we'll just tell Scotty to lower the shields for like two seconds and we'll just fly it right the fuck straight in. Mm-hmm. Sulu's like, I've and, never uh, done that before. And Kirk's like, shut up. Straights on the budget are really showing in this sequence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's just go. So that's mm-hmm. what he does. Does it work? It, oh my God, it works. They crash into the back of the ship. Yeah. And, and that comes up and catches him. Yeah. Everyone's knocked out except for Kirk and who? And Cybok. Hey, you would think that working next to a Vulcan for uh, most of your career and having one as a best friend, you'd remember that Vulcans are seven times stronger than humans, right? <laughs> he just forgot. Yeah, I guess so, because the Cybok starts tossing him around like a rag doll, fighting over a gun and stuff, and then he's choking Kirk. Yeah, and then Spock picks up the gun, and Kirk's like, Spock, good, shoot him, kill him, murder him, kill him right now, kill him. And kill him. And Spock's like, I don't want to kill him. And Cybok walks up, and he's like, I know you're not going to kill me. And then he grabs the yeah. gun away, and he's like, take him, take him away, take him to the brig. Yeah. And then uh, Uhura and Sulu are cyborg. Yeah, he they share their right. secret pain. Yeah, and then uh, Kirk's mad at Spock for not shooting him. Yeah, he's like, why didn't you shoot that guy? Yeah, get ready. Big surprise. Spock says, I couldn't kill him because I would have had to shoot my own brother. <gasps> 
What? And Kirk's <laughs> like, you mean brother is in fellow Vulcan? Spock's no. like, no, like brother, brother. You don't have a brother, you filthy liar. <laughs> yeah, I do. That's what every single Star Trek fan said in the, the audience. <laughs> I do, though. You don't have a brother. I have a, I have a half-brother. What? It's my half... <laughs> he's, Sarek is his dad, but he has a Vulcan mom. It's Vulcan mom? Who's this Vulcan mom? She's a it's Vulcan princess. Vulcan princess. Just don't, what? <laughs> you know I'm not comfortable talking about my family. No, you talk about them constantly. Leave we know everything about your father and your mom. They've been on the ship. <laughs> just just look, he's my brother, and that's all there is to it. So there. Don't you think we look the same? We look alike, don't we? Well, yeah, you look so much <laughs> whatever. No. <laughs> this is bullshit. Why didn't you shoot him, Spock? Oh. Is he an ex-boyfriend? I can handle I that. I want to. <laughs> Don't have to make up stuff. You got, you're not supposed to lie. You're you're a Vulcan. Anyway, then we cut away, and then Pavel Chekhov is Cybok. Yeah, yeah. And now, so basically, Cybok and his group have taken over the ship now. Yeah, and Cybok turns on the uh, the intercom. Yeah, and he uh, tells the crew. Who I can't imagine he Cybok them all. No. <laughs> Some of them have to be standing around going, "Who's what this? What's going on?" <laughs> but they all just stop and listen, like it's ever you know the, the lunch menu for the day. And he says, "Hey, everybody, I'm Cybok. How you doing? It's great. Um, that was me crashing into the back of the ship. Anyway, um, hey, I've taken over." And now we're going to go look for Shakari. Bye. <laughs> Click. <laughs> now, anyone who wasn't Vulcan was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Shaka what? We're going to, is that, is he looking for like space drugs? Yeah. He's looking for that, that, that really, really harsh Shakari. Yeah, like, I heard they legalized Shakari in Colorado. <laughs> Why do you have to steal a starship? But Spock knows, doesn't yeah. he? He knows what Shakari is. Yeah. Yeah, Shakari is like the Vulcan version of the the place where everything came from. Like like yeah. what, what humans call Eden or Paradise or... That isn't what Eden is. Heaven, is whatever. Eden. No, well, yeah, it's a thing. It's, religious it's a, thing. It's a really super important <laughs> religious thing. Yeah. It's, and now they're trying to figure out how to get out. Yeah, and Spock's like, you can't get out of this. We're, we, you, they're in a cell on the brig, and Spock's like, we, you can't get out. And Kirk's like, why not? And Spock's like, because. Well, no, well, why can't we get out? Well, because they tested the, the cell on the person that they thought was the coolest and the best, and yeah. he couldn't get out, so we can't get out. Who was and that? Kirk's, that was Spock. <laughs> okay, long Spock. Set up for a bad joke. Yeah. He's like, did, did this person happen to have pointed ears? Yeah, he did. Yeah, you're right. Okay, it was me. <sighs> they weren't writing for time. But 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 then they hear they hears a tapping on the wall. Oh, is it a Morse code? It is Morse code, actually. It was the tapping say. It says stand back. Do they? Not really. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> who who because what happens the wall blows up right the wall, yeah and it's scotty who has not been cyborg because he was he you know he, he, he was snuck away yeah because he's a stealth ninja exactly anyone yes, knows late. what he looks like you're gonna find that hard to believe late stage scotty was <laughs> able to silently this. get away <laughs> But anyway, so Scotty blows him out, and he's like, okay, look, there's a turbo lift down the hall yeah. that is under repair. You can climb up right. that to sneak onto the bridge. Yeah. And they're like, great, thanks, Scotty. You're a big help. And he's like, oh, don't worry. I'm, I, I'm awesome. Yeah, I know this ship like the back of my hand. And he turns around and walks right into a bulkhead and knocks himself unconscious like a cartoon character. Way, yeah, because that's what we like, cartoon yep. stuff. That wacky Scotty and his pratfalls. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> 
They run to the turbo lift. They look up. They're gonna climb up. It's they start climbing up it. Except Spock doesn't start climbing up it. No, Spock's like fuck this. I got a better way. What's his better way? He goes and gets his rocket boots. Of course. Now, how how did he make it to his quarters to get the rocket boots how without he, being seen? He also comes in down from above them. Yeah. So, so that was... means he went up several decks somehow. <laughs> Which means it's possible to make it several decks up without being seen. Yeah. How about Spock just go immediately to the the, the communication controls that you guys are talking about instead of all three of you having to go at the same time? I mean, it's more sense Spock just to go ahead and do it, right? That's not what happens, though. No. He goes no. up, gets his boots, flies back down, and says, climb on. So it'll be fun. Yeah. And they climb on. And turns out the rocket boots can't handle all of the additional weight. <laughs> you think someone as smart as Spock would have figured that out, but hmm. no. Nope. So they start sinking right as uh, the cyborged version of Sulu and some security guards run in. And better hope to drink some more fuzzy lifting drinks or they're just going to get caught by Sulu. <laughs> So so Spock's like, well, I could fire the booster rockets if you wanted me to. And mm-hmm. Kirk's like, do that. And Spock's like, but if I do that, we'll go up really fast. Kirk's like, do that. So he does it. And they go flying up like 10 floors Nine, at a time. Yeah, like 900 floors. Yeah. More floors like, than the ship has. Yeah, they. Pa- I'm pretty sure they pass like deck 800 or something. <laughs> like It's like, w- wow, this is a big ship. <laughs> They almost hit the roof. Yeah. And they go back down and they get to the bridge thing, which coincidentally is in that same set as before. Yeah. That lounge area. And they open up the communications thing and they're like, hey, shit's gone down. We're bad at our jobs. <laughs> Please help. <laughs> I told you I needed a break. Why did you send me? <laughs> Broken ship. And they get a response, right? Yeah. But is it from Starfleet? Oh, nope. Oh, no. It's from that Klingon lady. Yeah. Damn who, crafty Klingons and yeah. their freaking Berlitz courses. And she's she's <laughs> she's got a great Federation phone voice. Yeah, she does. And now um, Claw knows where, where they are. Yeah, they're, they're, they're flying toward the center of the galaxy. Because mm-hmm. that's where the Eden planet exists for some reason. Yeah, so uh, they get recaptured again. Yeah. And Cybox like, hey, look, I'm going to the center of the galaxy. And they're like, that's impossible. Don't be stupid. And he's like, hey, look, until Columbus, he proved that we, uh, you know, that the Earth was was round. And I know that Columbus didn't prove that at all. <laughs> and you would think you would we, think Spock knows that, too. Yeah, you think so. <laughs> Last I checked, Columbus only proved that he can kill the fuck out of Native Americans. That was about <laughs> it. <laughs> He did prove that, though. <laughs> and he's like, no, we're going to go. We're going to and there's nothing to it. And now it's time for me to cyborg you. <laughs> Who's first? You, the good doctor. Yeah. And now comes the only scene that actually emotionally impacts us. <laughs> and holy shit. <laughs> yeah, they do kind of go for it here, don't they? Yeah, they do. <laughs> He's, it's like McCoy is the only one that they really had anything for. Yeah. And it turns out when when he shares your pain, um, everybody can see it, including sure. Spock and, and, and Kirk. He's like a walking holodeck. Yeah. Yeah. Because all of a sudden there's a hospital room, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's an old man there. Yeah. And who's old the old man? Old man McCoy. It's, it's, it's Dr. McCoy's dad. David. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, hey, it sucks. I'm in a this, lot of pain. Um, the future isn't as great as you think it is. <laughs> yeah, they, there's still lots of diseases and they suck, so... I'm on total life support, son. <laughs> Let me die, please. And McCoy's like, I'm a doctor. 
<laughs> no, come on, seriously. Just let me die. Please. be. <sighs> come on. Okay. And so he does it. Yeah. And it's sad. Yeah. And then Cybok is all like being all up in his grill about yeah. it. And he's like, but that wasn't the worst part, was it? Mm-mm. What was the worst part, Steve? The worst part was after he euthanized his father, they found a cure for what his disease was. A month later. Wah, wah. And he's like, release this pain. And he does it. And then he turns to Spock and Spock's like, fuck you. I don't have pain. <laughs> and then he whammies Spock and we go to what? Uh, it sure looks like a cave. Looks like a cave and there's a, like a priestess there. Yeah. And a pregnant lady. And it's the pregnant lady is Spock's mommy. Oh. Yeah. What's she doing? She's having Spock. <laughs> oh, she's squirting out Spock. <laughs> yeah, Spock is here he comes. And then a you know, a nine-month-old baby. <laughs> <laughs> it was a rough pregnancy. He was a big baby. Yeah. <laughs> Comes out and they hand him to Cybok. No, no, to, to Sarek. Sarek. Yeah. Spock's dad. And uh, he says, what, Steve? He says, so human. Yeah. Oh. Uh, not wah, nearly wah, as good wah. as McCoy's. Yeah. And also, how does Spock remember that? <laughs> yeah, right. You think, like, Spock would be like, oh my god, is that how it happened? Did he attain consciousness in the womb? Did he remember he... all of it? That's precocious. <laughs> I mean, I knew Spock was smart, but damn. Yeah. So now he turns to Kirk, and we're all rubbing our hands together going, yeah! <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Give us the dirt on Kirk! <laughs> I mean, we kind of figure it's probably the death of his son. Yeah. You know, or maybe, oh, maybe we'll go all the way back to the original series and it'll be, uh, I, uh, what's her face? Time travel lady. Oh, yeah. Edith Keeler. Edith Keeler. Maybe yeah. that's going to be the huh? thing. Uh, it's any number of things. Maybe Could when he be. was in the Tantalus device. Or <laughs> there are, yeah, there's all that, sorts of trauma. That time when he was being attacked by the Gorn. Yeah. And they or... uncover that he was actually kind of attracted to the Gorn. And that's what we find out. <laughs> or didn't, didn't Kirk's younger brother die like... George, you know, yeah. He yeah. died when a scrambled egg hit him in the back. Exactly. So there's all sorts of pain that we could bring up for Captain Kirk. That's right. It would be neat if we saw some sort of new pain that we weren't aware of. Yeah. And usually in the original series, Kirk would have to go through the thing and not, then triumph over it. Not this time, though. Why not? Because Kirk's directing this movie. <laughs> So what happens instead? Well, he says, uh, hey, Cybok, you can take your little pain-sharing trick and shove it up your ass. <laughs> because I know that I've made mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. What, you think that makes you so smart? Hey, fuck you. Yeah. You know what? Need... My mistakes make me who I am. Yeah. You take that away. Who am I? I don't... Don't take away. I don't well, want my pain taken away. I need my pain. Spock, who am I without my pain? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Jesus, this is weird. Do you think I would be totally different if I didn't go through all that shit? I, I, I don't know. You think I would keep leaving my, my communicator behind so I could skip out on all my responsibilities and duties? You know, maybe if we had arrived earlier, he never would have taken over the city. Huh. Okay, Cybok, take my pain. <laughs> yeah. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> but that doesn't happen, does it? No. He's like, you, you're not you're not putting your whammy on me, Buster, so just yeah. get the fuck out of here. But luckily, before Cybok can force it, even though he says it's up to you, he always says the choice is yours, right? Yeah. Um, they get a communication that says, hey, we're heading towards the center of the galaxy 
out. We're at the center. We're at the, this thing that no one's ever mentioned ever. Yeah, that Great apparently Barrier. is at the center of the galaxy. Yeah, we're we're here already. Is it a supermassive black hole? You know, the thing that is actually at the center of the galaxy. Uh, funny you mention it. No. Oh, what no. is at this near the center of the galaxy? Apparently, just one planet. No. <laughs> oh, the Great no, there's Barrier. A, there's a yeah. There's a big cloud of something of energy or plasma <laughs> or whatever called the Great Barrier that nobody has ever gone through and come back. Big psychedelic freak show. Yeah. And they, he goes, okay, I've got to leave. Are you guys coming with me? Spock, McCoy, I cyborged you. That means you're coming, right? Nope. And what do they say? No, no we're, we're not coming. No? We love no. Jim. Fuck yeah. off. We've made our choice. <laughs> and then Jim asks him, "What? what's at the middle of the, what, why, why are you going or something like that, right? Yeah. And he says, oh, uh, here's something I've neglected to mention. Uh, God told me. God's there. God, God told me all this stuff. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't change anything, right? You, do, you don't think I'm like crazy now, do you? <laughs> it's like, oh shit, Cyborg <laughs> is completely with the cuckoo brains. <laughs> wow. Did he say God? He said God, didn't he? Uh, okay, let's go. So, yeah, they're at the they're at the thing, and then uh, Kirk gets really weird and reflective, and he kind of remembers what the uh, original mission for the ship was, which was to boldly explore, right? Yeah, yeah, and he's like, yeah, you know what? If we're here anyway... And we're we going to do it regardless. Yeah, we might as well just do it. Just I'm the captain, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, you know, I should, if we're going to do this, I should at least get credit for it. Yeah. So so he goes up to the bridge and he goes, look, we're not we're not one of these weird brainwashed people. Sorry, Sulu. We're not one of these fuckheads <laughs> who follow you. I'm so sorry, Pavel. But you know what? I am the captain. I'm going to lead this thing, right? And Cybox is like, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Let's let's do it, right? Yeah. He's like, uh, you, I just wanted to come here. Now, now do they do here, that after they go through the Great Barrier and they have the psychedelic freak show and then uh, they see the plane yeah they do they go through yeah. the barrier which is supposed to be impenetrable yeah but it's no big deal yeah apparently lots of ships can do it because later claw does it as well yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> so if a bone dumb klingon can do it i guess anyone can so now everybody's doing it right <laughs> so they go and that's when they see the planet and that's when Kirk goes, okay, we gotta, look, they're stealing our thunder. We're supposed to be the explorers, not this asshole. Yeah. And they go up there and they say, hey, we'll take we'll take over and, um, hey, we're gonna beam down to the, we're no, we don't beam anywhere because of the budget. Uh, <laughs> we'll take a shuttle. Take a shuttlecraft. And I'm, well, let me pick the best people for it. Uh, me, uh, Bones, get up. Spock. <laughs> Cyborg. That's it. No one else. Everyone else stay here. The rest of the cult is like, aww. Okay. Fine. I guess we'll let our leader go down to the strange planet with the only members of the crew he doesn't control. Yeah. <laughs> so they take a shuttle down. They make it through the, the blue cloud layer. And what exotic, truly alien um, a landscape or do we get to see, Steve? It, it looks a lot like uh, certain Utah. sections of uh, southeastern <laughs> California. It looks like Pinnacle Valley. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Another desert. How nice. Yeah. But it turns out uh, Spock's not driving no more. No. God what? has a tractor beam. Yeah, God is taking over the shuttle. Holy shit. And then I guess God lands the shuttle. I guess God is more than just a co-pilot. He's, he's like pilot pilot. <laughs> and then they land and Kirk's like, hey, I want to bring a phaser. I'm going to kill God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cybox like, no. Don't bring a phaser for God. He's like, all yeah. right, fine. Exactly. Um, so then all of a sudden, as soon as they're in this desert, a really weird thing happens. You want to know what that is? Well, what happens? Cybox's hair. Yeah. Cybox's hair goes from long 
too very short. <laughs> well, you know what he did. He realized he was going to meet God, so he gave himself a quick trim. Oh, and they also uh, killed the continuity editor, the you know <laughs> the lady with the big book that says, "Okay, this is what you're supposed to look like." <laughs> they, nobody wanted to do these reshoots. <laughs> They're like, just get the get the ears on them, and let's just get this over with. <laughs> So now, oh, goody, we get to walk around the desert. Yeah, they go for a little hike. Uh-huh, and pad the film out a bit. Sure. And they pad it and pad it and pad it and pad it. Except for one scene where we cut away in which Uhura's like, Scotty, you should see this. People walking around in a desert. I know we spent five years doing that on the TV show, and we've done it, I think, twice in this one. But you got to <laughs> come up and see it. And Scotty's like, fuck you. I told Cat the Kirk that I'm going to get the transporters fixed. So if I had to choose between disappointing God and disappointing Kirk, guess which one I'm choosing? I mean, disappointing Kirk. Fuck off. Transporters. Fix it up. <laughs> okay. All right, but we had to stick that in there. If you don't want to see middle-aged men run through a desert, I guess that's your loss. (laughs) But after a while, they don't find no God or nothing. No, and I think Cybok starts to start feeling a little bummed. Uh Uh-huh. You know, he's like, where's God? He goes, hey, we've come a long way. Starship. God damn it. Oh, I'm sorry. I've done a lot of really questionable things. Fucked with people's heads. I cut my hair. I'm pretty sure we killed somebody. I know a lot of people have died trying to get me here. (laughs) I got a guy on the ship who left behind his field full of holes. Just to (laughs) come here. That's when he goes, oh, my holes. (laughs) (laughs) Climbs into a space shuttle, flies directly into the barrier and explodes. (laughs) My holes. (laughs) (laughs) But then it gets all dark, huh? Mm, Yeah. And then big old rocky ribs come up out of the ground. Yeah, it gets all earthquakey and weird. Yeah, and it makes this like kind of weird rocky temple thing. Yeah. And then what happens, Steve? And then uh, this blue light appears and it gets all smoky and weird. Yeah. And and a voice starts speaking. No, but then a big flash of light. Yeah. Remember, a big beam of light comes out of the planet. Oh you know, yeah, hits, that's right. And hits it almost the ship. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 a big booming voice says, "Brave souls." Uh huh. And yeah. then they're like, "Yeah." <laughs> Hey, I'm God. How's it going? Really? <laughs> totally. I'm a big head. Look, I yeah. have hundreds of faces. I'm going to show you three of them, maybe? Because that's all we got in the makeup budget. But here we go. One, <laughs> two, three. And here's the last one. Ta-da, God. <laughs> big white human man with a beard. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, isn't it what you wanted? And Cyborg's like, oh, God. Yeah. I did everything you told me to. It's so awesome. And, and God's like, so, um, hmm, you came here in a starship, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did, God. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, bring it, bring it closer. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get on Which the starship. Any thinking person would go, huh. <laughs> this, is, this is weird. That's a little evil sounding. I want to join with it. <laughs> <laughs> and Cybox's like, okay. Yeah, sounds awesome. Awesome, right, guys? Yeah. Except... Well, Captain Kirk has a question. Oh, what's the question? He says, uh, hey, just random thought just popped into my head. Um... What's God need with a starship? You know, McCoy's like, you don't question God. And Kirk should have been, how many omnipotent beings have we encountered in all the years we've been <laughs> doing this shit, McCoy? Like every other week. Yeah, like every other week. It's some cloud that has superpowers and can make anything. Do you remember the guy who thought he was a Roman, who thought he was a Greek god? Remember that? Remember the uh, one that stopped us with a giant hand in space? Oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> 
<laughs> Remember that weird Halloween episode where we were all in the castle? Yeah, and they turn out to be little Muppets. Remember in. that one? <laughs> and so so God is like, well, hey, Cybok, who's your friend? Yeah. <laughs> who's a smart him. ass? Watch this. I blink, and he shoots beams out of his eyes. Yeah. And shoots Kirk across the, the thing, yeah. temple, whatever. Luckily, not harming him. Yeah. <laughs> Just burning his uniform, I guess. Burning him a little bit, yeah. And Kirk's like, why, hey, God, why are you angry, God? And then Spock's like, hey, God, you didn't answer his question. What would be you, Starship? Well, here's the answer. More eye-burning blip. Yeah, and then he turns to McCoy, and he's like, you want some, too? And he's like, hey, look, no God that I know of would do this. Of course, <laughs> Except I'm not for quoting all the, the Bible. <laughs> Except for all the gods we've ever believed in. <laughs> None of them would ever do anything like this. And Cybok's like, what's going on? I don't understand. And this god entity is like, okay, listen, idiot. <laughs> I'm going to show you something that'll blow your mind. And then he changes form again, right? Yeah. And what does he turn into? He says, hey, Cybok, you ever see the last episode of The Prisoner? <laughs> He turns into Cybok. He's, he he becomes right. an exact duplicate of Cybok. And Cybok gets real upset about that, doesn't he? Yeah, he's like, but so what are you saying? That I'm like a narcissist? And he's like, yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. And guess what? If you don't fucking get that ship over here so I can get into it and get out of this fucking prison that I've been put in... I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna, he gets real evil. Yeah. He says, I'm going to hurt these, what, these little things? These puny things. These yeah. puny things. And Cybok's like, runs back to him and like, okay, uh, mistakes have been made. <laughs> Plan B. Uh, I think we're on the verge of releasing a chaotic evil blue creature into the rest of the galaxy. I'm a dupe. <laughs> Sorry. My whole life working to get here has been a lie. <laughs> I-, I got an idea. I'm going to distract him, right? Yeah, you guys Bye. just run. And then him and Spock hold hands for a second. Or they yeah. do the Vulcan thing. Yeah. And then he runs off. And what does he say to the God thing? He says to God, I couldn't help but notice your pain. <laughs> It, it runs deep. <laughs> Why don't you share it with me? Yeah, and he jumps into the column of light. Yeah. And then they start fighting like those two dudes at the that one episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let that be your last battlefield. Yeah, let that be your last battlefield. Yeah. They're fighting, and uh, Kirk says, Hey, uh, shoot it with a torp- uh, uh, photon torpedo, why don't you? Right? Yeah. and Because like, everyone okay. on the ship has been watching this on their viewer. Yeah. And they are all disillusioned, too. They're like, oh, no, there's oh. no God here. It wasn't really God. Damn it. A mean, omnipotent being. Q shows up. Did someone call me? Yeah, hello? Trelane walks in. Oh, good. More plague. <laughs> Some new playmates. <laughs> oh, I'm not playing with that guy. He's mean. And he disappears. <laughs> and then Q disappears. <laughs> so they, they fire a torpedo at God. Yeah. And Cybok. And presumably... Well, at first, it looks like they've blowed them both up real good. Yeah, they blow both of them up. And uh, Kirk's like, oh, no, but then it starts coming back, right? Yeah, yeah. God is not dead. 
And right. yeah, because they get back to the shuttle. They get all yeah. the way back to the shuttle. Shuttle won't take off. God is not dead. Kirk Cameron's running around someplace. Yeah. I told you. <laughs> and they say, "Can you beam us up?" And Scotty says, "I can. I can beam two of you up." And Kirk's like, "Beam uh, Spock and McCoy up right now." And McCoy has a problem with that. It's actually one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah, is McCoy goes, "Now wait a damn minute!" While he's beaming, <laughs> while he's being beamed up, Kirk's like, "You're not stealing my thunder in the climax, you two. That's right. It's me against God. Yeah." Kirk versus God. That's what, Fight! <laughs> that's what the people came to see. It is mostly just Kirk running away from this big glowy cloud with a face in it. Yeah, that keeps it, occasionally shooting its its eye lightning at him. Yeah, and going, you! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get you! <laughs> <laughs> And so then he climbs up to the top of... Oh, but then we're back on the Enterprise, right? And yeah. And Claw shows up. Yeah. And uh, Spock's back on the ship, and he's like, they're going to attack. I gotta, I'm going to go to Commander Korg, who's drunk in the corner. <laughs> and he's like, hey, Korg, do something. And he's like, F- no. And he's like, fucking do something now. Not that strongly. Okay. <laughs> Cut back down to the planet. Curse still run up a cliff, and uh, glowy monster man who survived a photon torpedo, which can literally destroy just about any other starship with the yeah. right, you know, if you hit it just right. And then, uh, what happens to you? The, the Klingon ship appears like the over the, shows up. Yeah. over the hill, and, and it, it, it fires its gun and it, it kills God again, but I guess yeah, this time for good. I guess, yeah, I guess uh, the, those uh, phasers on the Klingon Bird of Prey are more powerful than a photon torpedo. Yeah, I mean, that's something to keep under your hat, just remember and then, that. Yeah, and then it's just hanging there, kind of looking at Kirk, and Kirk's like, uh, kill me? <laughs> <laughs> Get it over with, you Klingon bastards. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're going to kill me right now. Let me just get a few things off my chest. You're filthy animals, and I hate all of you. <laughs> I hope we go to war with your whole planet, and you're wiped off the face of the galaxy. <laughs> Fuck it. Why not? I'm about to die. I hate Spock. <laughs> I don't like Vulcans either. I went into Starfleet because I had no other choice. It was either flip burgers or going to Starfleet. So I went into Starfleet. I cheated on every every exam I ever had. I have a venereal disease that I've given to every woman I've ever slept with. Pretty Why sure, not? Everything comes out. Pretty sure Doctor McCoy wasn't has holes drilled into Ahura's into Ahura's quarters. He sells the tapes on the black market for booze. <laughs> Sulu is gay. I'm illiterate. <laughs> when I can't think of something to do, I shoot it. <laughs> that wasn't me climbing that mountain. <laughs> this is a wig. He takes it up, throws it on the you ground. You know it all here. Hey, look, here's, here's my girdle. Pops that off, throws that on the ground as well. You want to see my dick next? Fine. <laughs> Laugh it up. You Klingon bastards. <laughs> Now shoot me, because if you don't, this is going to be highly embarrassing. Do they shoot him? No, they beam him aboard. (laughs) And he's like, oh, hi. Oh. So about what I was saying down there on the planet. (laughs) (sighs) I don't need to defeat you now, Kirk. You have defeated yourself. (laughs) Oh, I was taping that shit. You'd better believe it. (laughs) 
Ah, but who's on board that ship? Well, they, they walk him onto the bridge, and there's uh, General Cord. Right. And he's like, hey, Captain Kirk, what's up? Um, my, my, my inferior officer here, the captain of this ship, has something to say. And then Captain Claw comes up looking like a kid in kindergarten who got caught, you know, stealing somebody's baseball cards or something. Yeah, like and Klingons do. Yeah, exactly. Very, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and he's like, um, look, the, the, the shit that I did trying to kill you and everything, that was my idea. The Klingon government didn't tell me to do that. And yeah, I'm really not I'm authorized really, really, by them at all. Yeah, yeah. I'm really, really sorry. So are we yeah. cool? And then Cap- Commander Cord is like, oh, and one more thing. I want you to meet our new gunner. I wonder who it is. It's well, do, do you want to guess? We've seen the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 old Spock. It's Spock. He turns around in the chair and he's like, "It's me!" It's surprise. And then they almost hug. Yeah. And then, but Spock says, "Not in front of the like, Klingons." Don't do that, dude. Don't don't do that to me, dude. Not in front of the Klingons. <laughs> I have a couple questions. Oh, yeah. They couldn't beam up uh, Kirk because the transporters on the Enterprise were bad, right? Yeah. Were the, inter- were the transporters on the Klingon ship bad, too? Apparently Is there a reason not. why the Klingon ship had to go all the way down there and then shoot the big god monster? <laughs> Was there a reason why they couldn't use the drone, the, the Klingon gunner who's trained on the, that weapon system his whole life and lives to do exactly that kind of shit? Can you imagine the amount of honor that Klingon warrior would have gotten for killing a giant god monster? But then you couldn't have Spock on the ship. Why did he need to be there? I don't know. (laughs) Anything. There's nothing like a post-killing god party. <laughs> yeah, they they while they're still in orbit around the evil god planet. Yeah, they invite the Klingons over to the Enterprise for a little mixer. Right, and they have a bunch of bad jokes that don't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently, the Romulan ambassador and the uh, Earth ambassador are are fucking now, or at least alluding to it. They're like a couple, I guess. They're awful close. Yeah, Scotty's pouring whiskey for the Klingon, and uh, everyone's all happy, right? Yeah, it's. I guess great. Kirk is over his whole hatred of Klingons, right? Uh, yeah, he seems to be for now. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Wait Good till the next this movie. movie isn't canon and doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's just some fucking fever dream that Kirk's having. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, uh, Kirk says, I thought I was going to be dead. I thought that god monster was going to kill the fuck out of me. And Spock says, impossible. And then Kirk goes, it's fucking right because I'm awesome. I only thought it for a second. <laughs> you know what? Really? Yeah, I knew I wasn't going to die because if you haven't noticed, I'm the most greatest thing in the whole in the whole galaxy, Spock. <laughs> and he's like, I meant that you weren't alone. That oh. too. <laughs> yeah, sure, whatever. Um... <laughs> Is the movie over now? Uh, no, they have to go camping again. Why? (laughs) So that the circle can close. I don't want the circle to close. So that we can have (laughs) narrative closure. This is the first time I wanted to see the Enterprise explode. (laughs) Oh no, God's still alive. What are they doing around the campfire? Well, they're going to sing again. But see, this time Spock is getting into it. He brought his Vulcan harp. And he's yeah. plucking the strings, and he's playing Row, Row, Row Your Boat. Oh, goody. And they're going to sing it together. They're going to sing this children's song together at the end of the movie. Yes, they are. Until the Jerry Goldsmith theme drowns them out. <laughs> On purpose? He's like, we got to end this. <laughs> they're not going to sing for the whole right credits, now. are they? Uh. Is it over? It's over. How dare you, It's movie. over. It's over. How dare you? <laughs> okay, Steve, mm-hmm. how do you feel? About this science fiction classic, mm. the adventurous, <laughs> insightful Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. You know, my answer may shock some people. 
at least people who don't who don't know me or don't know us very well. Right. But I actually really love this movie. <laughs> As much as we have, you know, thrashed it for this podcast, um, <laughs> if you if you watch this movie with the right mindset and you don't mm-hmm. go in expecting a good movie because... Inebriated? <laughs> recovering from surgery? De- desperate for any shred of human culture, no matter Back what it broken, is. broken, crawling towards television, unable to turn it off? <laughs> Stopping halfway and just accepting your situation. Um... <laughs> No, if you if you look at it with the right mindset, it mm-hmm. is a it is so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's not a good movie at all. Mm-mm. I mean, the jokes are mostly terrible. The yes. plot the plot is so slipshod and sloppy, oh and God. just you know, so much of it just doesn't make any sense. And and it is totally like you know a, a, a ninety minute celebration of how awesome Captain Kirk is to the detriment of every <laughs> other character. I mean, uh-huh. what well, hasn't that been like almost every movie up to this point? Well, but like you, I mean, at least in Star Trek Two, and to an extent in Star Trek Three, like there was an. I would include Star Trek the motion picture in that too. There is an arc. There is a character arc for Kirk. Yeah, and there's an acknowledgement that time is passing, and Mm -hmm. he's he's getting older, and he's having to deal with different roles than he's used to, like first being an admiral, and then being a father to David, and you know, then losing Spock, and then having to get him back. There's there's all sorts of really interesting stuff going on with Kirk in the first, really in the first four movies, even though Star Trek Four takes a, a break from a lot of that but you know in Star Trek 5 it's like oh Kirk is awesome and mm-hmm. and even when he has shortcomings he's aware of them and he he is conscious of them and he doesn't you know like that, that whole you know I don't want t- my pain taken away I need my pain like that's a really great insightful moment but of course Kirk has that insight because Kirk is perfect in this movie like exactly he, you know um, but then again he was also always the guy who said the right thing in the, in the series too yeah I mean he was never until the movies, especially Star Trek Two, I would say he was never that dynamic of a character. I mean, he was Captain mm-hmm. Kirk, and he was who he was, and he was fairly static. But who he was was cool and fun to watch, so it wasn't a problem, right? Um, you know, and plus he was a character on an episodic TV series where the characters weren't supposed to change and grow and have arcs. Exactly, you know? they don't have story arcs in the original yeah. series. So you know, there's that. There's that. That's sort of a flaw. Where like you know, of course McCoy and Spock. Well, at, at least McCoy, maybe not Spock, but McCoy seems ready to join Cybok and then, and then <laughs> he's like please yeah and then Kirk's like nope not going and I was expecting McCoy's pain to be him sidelined every single time on you know on the Enterprise <laughs> do I get to do something this week nope bye <laughs> You get to inject the sick people with stuff. <laughs> oh boy, again. Um, so it's not, you know, the whole the whole plot is ridiculous. The whole concept of whoa, there's a planet at the center of the galaxy, and that where God lives, like that, like really, like intelligent people are going to believe this. You know, yeah. this is something that oh, oh, that sounds sounds reasonable to me. Let's go. Yeah, especially Star Trek fans. They're they're hardcore. You know, they want they really want to meet God. Yeah, that's something they've been demanding. <laughs> so I mean, it's not. It's not a good movie in any traditional sense. If you judge it according to the standards that most of us have for figuring out whether we think a movie is good or not, it, it fails. It's a bad movie. Yeah, it but, is. But it is so much fun. If you can turn that part of your brain off and you stop looking at it and you stop asking it to be a good movie, there's so much stuff in here that, especially if you're a Star Trek fan, and you can Only get, if you're a Star Trek fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this movie, uh, for all of its flaws, there is uh, at least... Especially 
especially for the for the the early part before everybody but the big three gets cyborged. There's mm-hmm. a, there's a sense of camaraderie among the crew, a sort of sense of casual comfort, you know, yeah. especially with yeah. the way Kirk interacts with the crew when he comes back on the ship after being on Earth. There's a mm-hmm. moment where like he, he you know he touches Sulu on the shoulder that you know denotes a certain affection that is really ironic since those actors mm-hmm. hated each other. Yeah, they did. But you know, there's just a sense of family to the crew. That Although in in his defense, uh, Takei said that uh, while he was very apprehensive about Shat- being directed by Shatner, he said Shatner was a great director. Yeah. He, he felt that he never had... It was far more relaxed and that he handled the pressure because they really put a lot of demands on Shatner for this movie. Time and budget demands were high. Oh, yeah. And he said he shouldered it really well and never transferred that onto the onto the cast. So I, I will say that in Shatner's defense, that the man who hates him more than anyone else in the world <laughs> is still willing to say nice things about him when he comes to this film. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, there are, and there, there are some really iconic Star Trek moments here. There are some really funny bits between Spock and McCoy and, you know, um, the, the, the scene at the end when Kirk is talking to Spock and Spock's like, I lost my brother. And Kirk says, you know, I lost my brother once too. Not my real brother, my other brother. And I was lucky enough that I got him back talking about uh-huh. Spock dying and coming back. And that's a really touching scene if you're a Star and Trek Spock fan. Spock was like, I thought we were more than brothers at yeah. that time. We were alone. And Kirk's like, shut up. Rigus ate, remember? No. <laughs> we palm fart. No, no. You oh. can't deny that. Spock. <laughs> You you traced your hand on mine. <laughs> Spock, we had an agreement. You swore you'd never mention <laughs> McCoy's like, what? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's it's not a good movie, but it's a it's a fun movie, and I have to say, even though it would you know, if you're ranking the Star Trek movies according to best to worst, this would have to be near the bottom. I don't think this is the worst Star Trek movie no. by far, <laughs> even if you're judging it really, really... It was almost as if Next Generation was having a contest to see if they could outdo Star Trek V. <laughs> exactly. Rick Berman was like, oh, no, you just wait. Um, <laughs> but no, it's not the worst Star Trek movie uh, by far, I don't think. But it's no. certainly not among the best. But there are times when uh, if I feel like watching a Star Trek movie, Star Trek V is the one I want to watch. Oh be- my god. Be- because <laughs> as bad as it is, and as goofy and silly and just, you know, ridiculous as it is, um, it's a really fun movie to watch, especially if you're watching it with people and you can make fun of it and you can make jokes about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a really fun and movie to watch. you can see it before they bring out the meds and make you go back to your room. Exactly. <laughs> your TV time is over. I want to watch Star Trek V one more time. You've watched it three <laughs> times today already. Go back to your room. You know, Johnson has pulled his eyes out. No more Star Trek V. <laughs> it's against hospital policy. We can't show you that movie. But anyway, yeah, those are those, those are those are my thoughts. Chief on it. Broom ripped out the water sprinkler and smashed it through the window because <laughs> he just couldn't handle another viewing. He he suffocated Nicholson with the pillow, and he's. <laughs> And he's running for the hills. Uh. (laughs) Well, here's my take on it. I have to separate my critic self from my my fandom, Mm -hmm. to a certain extent. And I will say this. I do like the movie, but none of my liking it has anything to do with anything reasonable or rational. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. It has everything to do with my deep love for Star Trek, and uh, the things that I really like about it are from a fan's perspective. It was giving me some things that I hadn't seen before that I liked. It was also giving me a whole lot of shit that I didn't like in regards to Star Trek. 
But the things that I like about this film is that it's very much like a low-budget 70s sci-fi movie where the script isn't that great, the special effects aren't that great, the plot is so dippy and stupid. Let's film in the desert and pretend it's like it's another planet. Let's stick horns on a horse to make it seem like it's from another planet (laughs) and also poison the horses by splotching them up with blue, (laughs) with blue paint. Um, I will say that this is a awful film. And unless you're a Star Trek fan that's willing to forgive some of the things that could potentially piss you off, you and you don't take your Star Trek fandom so seriously that you can't laugh at it. And that's what I think this this movie really is, is an opportunity for Star Trek fans who are not so hardcore that they, they take it so seriously that they cannot laugh at the potential goofiness of Star <laughs> Trek. This movie exposes all the goofiness that's inherent in the quote-unquote Star Trek universe. Yeah. Gigantic, omnipowerful, alien beings with crippling psychological disorders. <laughs> Wacky Vulcan stuff. Goofy humor that doesn't work. And I will admit, now, this isn't my go-to movie for Star Trek. Yeah. I'm like everybody else. If I need me some Star Trek, I go to Wrath of Khan. Oh, sure. Sometimes I even go to uh, the last movie, Undiscovered Country. Oh, yeah. But, um, or, you know, actually three. I go to three a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because I just love Klingons. <laughs> but um, as a reviewer, I'm going to have to say that I pan this movie and I, and I wouldn't recommend it because unless you are a hardcore fan this movie is a fucking slog. Nothing happens. <laughs> a whole lot of just, we go here, oh, how many times can Kirk get captured in one movie? Four? Five? I don't know. Maybe. That, uh, let's see if we can go for the record. Oh, now he's working with Cybok. We have the thing where he's a villain, but he's not actually a villain Yeah, kind of deal going on so there's no one that we really hate and the person that we're really supposed to hate doesn't appear until the very end and he's a giant head and we can't even hate the Klingons god damn it and you have to understand up until this point Klingons were awful (laughs) and then we have this hand holdy thing at the end where we're all supposed to be make nice and they didn't earn it there's nothing earned in that ending no no this is a bad movie Steve Hey, I, I can readily admit that I enjoy it, and there are lines in there that I enjoy, and you and I quote those lines to each other back and forth. We've quoted them on this show. All the time. All the time. <laughs> because it's Steve and I's special language between the two of us. <laughs> But that doesn't make this a good movie. Ugh. I can picture anybody who's kind of like, I want to enjoy myself this evening. And they put on Star Trek V. Fuck, they'll hate us. They'll hate us forever. <laughs> now, if you're a little drunk... <laughs> <laughs> Give it a you shot. don't mind you don't mind blowing a couple of hours laughing your ass off at Star Trek? This is great. And I will I will admit I will watch this for fun every once in a while because I don't take my even though I am staring at a model of the Enterprise as I say this <laughs> and I have more Star Trek stuff on this desk where I record this. I don't take my Star Trek so seriously that I am humorless about it. And that's the thing about this that I like, is that it gives me the opportunity to admit this is kind of stupid. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, while I... Here's the deal. Steve, recommend or not recommend? Uh, I guess not recommend on its <laughs> on its merits as a movie. Because like I said, yeah. I mean, even though I really... I, I do have a great affection for it. Like, it, you're mm-hmm. right. It's not a good movie. No, it's not. It really isn't. And I'm going to do the same thing. I'm not going to recommend with one caveat. If you... No, number one. If you're a Star Trek fan listening to this, you've seen the movie. Don't fucking lie. You watched it. <laughs> you've seen it. You've seen it. So, I don't know who I'm making that recommendation to. Because if you are a Star Trek fan, you've seen the movie and you can make up your own mind whether or not it makes you angrier than anything. <laughs> or if you've been one of these denialists who who don't who pretend that Star Trek V doesn't exist, much like Star Wars fans pretend that the prequels don't exist, then great, you know. But uh, yeah, I guess it is just not recommend. If you're not a Star Trek fan, don't bother. Honestly, you're not getting anything from it unless you you want to sit around and laugh at it and you can find a way to, to generate jokes about it. And yeah, that's it. It's hard because <laughs> there's a part of me that just wants to gush and say there's parts of this movie that I love more than anything in the world. And I will say that, but only because of 30 years with these characters. Right. And that's not a fair way to critique a movie, is my own personal relationship with these characters. I have to take the movie as it is on its whole, on it, on its own. And on its own, it's a big burning trash pile of a film. <laughs> <sighs> I feel better. I shared my pain. Yeah, and you've grown, you've gained strength from the sharing. Hey, and you're a bearded guy. Why are you wearing that hood? I couldn't help but notice you. Pull that fucking hood back, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! Oh, shit! (laughs) 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 All right, now it's time for us to recommend something that that we want to recommend people to see. Steve? Yes. Well, actually, you you mentioned this movie very briefly a minute ago when you were talking about some of the other Star Trek movies. I, I thought uh, it would be interesting and fun to recommend a another Star Trek movie and one that I think is pretty underrated, generally speaking, and that mm-hmm. is uh, Star Trek Three: huh? The Search yeah. for Spock, or should I say, the original Star Trek Three? Because Star Trek Beyond is also Star Trek Three. It's the third. No, it's not. It's, it's the, just Star Trek. It's Beyond. The third Star Trek in the new series, but yeah, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Uh, mm-hmm. In some ways, the movie that is indirectly to blame for Star Trek V because this Kinda. is because this is the one that Leonard Nimoy directed which gave William Shatner the idea that hey I want to yeah, direct one um, exactly but yeah Star Trek 3 there's there's been this really unfortunate uh, sort of conventional wisdom among some Star Trek fans for years that the the odd numbered Star Trek movies are bad yeah and that's just not true I mean Star Trek that's fought, not true Star Trek 1 is boring yeah Star Trek 2 is awesome beyond comparing one of the greatest films ever made Star Trek 3 is, is and depending is it's kind of fun. Yeah, Star Trek 3 is good. We, we've just talked about Star Trek 5. Uh, Star mm-hmm. Trek Generations is not great, but, you know... Star t- Trek Generations is a big is, old piece tar- of shit. Star Trek Generations is terrible, but to me, personally, the worst Star Trek movie of all of them is Nemesis, which is number 10, which isn't even number. Can't, Nemesis? So, uh, Insurrection doesn't rank up there? Insurrection I, I think, is awful. I think Nemesis is so much worse than Insurrection. Uh, so <laughs> much worse. Um, but yeah, so I would recommend Star Trek 3. You get Christopher Lloyd playing a Klingon, you get some really awesome, iconic Star Trek moments like, I have had enough of you! And mm, That's the movie that literally solidified who Klingons are in the lore, too. Yeah. It's a fairly important, important film for Star Trek fans, because that's where we get that's where we kind of really develop the Klingons into what they'll become over the next, what, 30 years after that movie Yeah, came out. yeah, and I think this was also, in addition to that, it's also the first movie where they actually came up with what became the Klingon language for yeah. them to speak on screen, so... Uh, well, guess who came up with that language? Well, originally, wasn't it James Doohan? James Doohan yeah, wrote it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
And then they used the the words he made up as like the the basis for for the, something the, nerds to do when they go to Klingon camp in summer. Exactly. Oh boy. <laughs> so there you go. There's my recommendation. Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Hooray! I recommend that movie too. I like it. <laughs> I'm going to just start doing something different with my recommendations, and I'm going to try to select a movie that's related to the film that we did, but also from the same year. Ooh. So, uh, 89 was a pretty big year for films, as you noticed when we read out the other films that came out just in June. But there was another movie that came out a little bit later in August uh, that did not do terribly well. It had a budget of like $70 million and only made $90 million back. And it came from a hot director who had just come from a hot new film. And there was a lot of buzz about this movie. And it didn't do terribly well. And it got a lot of mixed reviews. And I kind of had mixed reviews on it, too, until I saw the director's cut a few years later. And then I really liked the movie. And that movie is... James Cameron's The Abyss. Ooh. Um, if you haven't seen The Abyss, it's about a bunch of oil people drilling in a experimental oil rig at the bottom of the ocean, and uh, there's aliens down there or something. <laughs> not sure if they're aliens, not sure if they're uh, just people who've been living down there. <laughs> <laughs> But what it's actually about is it's more it's more of a thriller than it is about aliens because the aliens really don't show up until the very end. The rest of it is about people being hostile to one another and in an awful situation and people drowning and fighting and having nuclear weapons and Navy SEALs and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, and what I like about it are the performances. It's got Ed Harris and uh, Mary, Mary Anrestranetranemon, Elizabeth Mastrantonio. <laughs> There she is. And, yeah, Michael Bean and uh, a whole bunch of other people. Uh, Steve ought to like it because uh, what's-his-name's not in it, like in all of the other James Cameron movies. Oh, yeah, fucking Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton's not in it? Um, <laughs> Recommend. Came up with a whole bunch of technology in order to film everything underwater. Um, and this is when we also got the first hint that James Cameron lo- really likes the ocean a lot. Yeah. But it's a gorgeous film. It holds up really well as far as its special effects and everything else mm-hmm. goes. Um, and it just has a, a really nice storyline. And the director's cut, all of the really schmaltzy stuff um, takes a back seat to the overall anti-war message. Um, so I'm going to recommend The Abyss. Be, be warned, the director's cut is long. It is a long movie to spend in the cold darkness of, ocean, of the ocean. <laughs> but it is one that I, I do genuinely enjoy. So, The Abyss. Yay! We're done, Steve. <gasps> We're done? I feel like I've just been through therapy. We've crossed the final frontier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was really afraid you were going to say, once again, we've crossed the meridian between human and animal. (laughs) Why would I say that? Because you love uh, that German director so much. (laughs) Oh, Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog? Now, Werner Herzog should do a Star Trek movie. Oh my god, everyone would be dead at the end. I would camp out for tickets for that baby. (laughs) It would be all Spocks. (laughs) Finally... Someone who understands the correct way to approach life. Exactly. Without passion. (laughs) Emotion is a disease. (laughs) It leads only to suffering and murder. (laughs) It's just the Enterprise floating in black space with no stars. (laughs) And an an (laughs) Arvo part score playing over it for like two and a half hours. Exactly. Perfect. Werner Herzog, the unofficial mascot of the Late Seating Podcast. (laughs) I think he's made more appearances than any other voice we do. (laughs) With good reason. Yeah. He seems like a teddy bear in real life. I think so, yeah. I think he's actually, I think he laughs and laughs. (laughs) Everybody knows what a cut up Werner Herzog is in private. (laughs) 
Anyway, that's it. Do you guys agree with us? Do you do you think, hey, yeah, I like it, but I'm never going to say it out loud to anybody because I'm not as brave as you two saying what you think out loud on a podcast for people to hear? <laughs> or do you disagree with us? And you're like, this movie is a piece of shit. It's an, uh, it's an abomination to Star Trek lore and to movies in general. It's a black spot. It deserves to disappear. It's fine. Like what you like, man. Don't get all up in my grill about it. We just made a podcast to let people know what we think and have a couple of yuck yucks yeah. along the way. Right, Steve? Exactly. Release your pain somewhere else. Yeah, no, actually, release your pain at us. Oh, sure. Go ahead, oh, leave okay. a comment. Let us know. Yeah, go ahead. Say, I hated this movie, and I, you know, I can't even like it even laughing at it. That's fine. I completely and totally understand. But please, leave us a comment. Hey, is there a movie that you think that we need to review, or a genre that we've missed? Then please go to the Let Me Listen Podcast uh, website, go to the contact page, and uh, leave it for us there. We love getting them. I love reading them, and I love not telling Steve about them. <laughs> <laughs> Except the really nasty ones. He tells me about those. <laughs> Yeah, I do it until he cries. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't take long, usually. <laughs> hey, Steve, what are we going to do next time around? Oh, I don't know. You know, I don't think we've done an action movie yet, like a proper action movie. We've done movies with action in them. Yeah, it's don't... not like we're doing a bunch of boring dramas. We only did My Dinner with Andre once, and that only has three explosions in yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we need to do like a proper rip, snort, and rock 'em, sock 'em action movie, though. Without any sci-fi shit? Yeah. Without any fantasy crap? None of that nerdy crap. Just action. Oh, Oh, I guess that leaves only one choice. Yeah. Commando. I think you're right. Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando. (laughs) Oh, goody. (laughs) That's right. Next time, ladies and gentlemen, me and Steve are going to... What year was that? 83? 85. Oh, Lord. I know. We're going back into the time machine, 1985. I was 16. Steve was like a fetus. I was. And we're going to see. I was five. And we're going to review the action epic Commando. Yeah. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right? Yeah. And Melissa Milano. Yeah, she was in it, too. Take, and take the guy it. from Mad Max. <laughs> Alyssa Milano was taking a break from uh, Who's the Boss. And isn't the big yeah. bad guy uh, the guy from Cheers? Is it? Carla's husband? <laughs> is it? I can't remember. <laughs> it might be. Oh, now I hope it is. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be disappointed if I watch it next week and that's not it. <laughs> um, anyway, that's it um, for Late Seating. This has been Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives, and I'll tell you one thing, Jason. You never cease to amaze me. Nor I myself. (laughs) (laughs) We both know the movie, see? (laughs) We're fucking nerds. I could could name any random quote and he could say it right back to me. Do it. Really? Let's try it. Okay, um, I thought I was going to die. Impossible. (laughs) What? What's the rest of it? No, that's my line. That's it. No, then Spock says, he says, impossible, you were never alone. No, he doesn't. He says, impossible. He says, uh, Spock says, impossible. And then Kirk says, um... I love you, Spock. (laughs) And then Spock's like, gross. That time, Captain, when your shirt was ripped open and you came onto the bridge after fighting the Gorn, (laughs) I had a thought. (laughs) Can I leave? Spock, that was 25 years ago. There's a whole bottle of gin waiting for me back in my quarters. (laughs) Uh, bye. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.
This show is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to contribute as little as $1 a month to help fund this podcast, please visit our website at www.lemmelistenpodcast.com and click on the Patreon logo. If you can't, or just don't want to, no biggie. Late Seating is a Lemmy Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Music by Kevin McLeod. Produced by Jason Harding. You can find more Lemmy Listen podcasts at our website at www.lemmylistenpodcasts.com. You can also find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes under Lemmy Listen. Please like and leave a review. And thanks for listening.